The Way to Glory is produced by CT Creative Studio in collaboration with Revelation Media and The Pilgrim's Progress, the movie, coming to theaters Easter Sunday. For more information, stay tuned or go to revelationmedia.com. A world away and still not far Like fabric woven into ours The dawn is shot out through the night And day is coming soon The journey of the Christian life is a precarious undertaking, full of setbacks, failures, and disappointments. John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress offers an unflinching look at the spiritual and emotional dangers we face along the way to the cross and eternal life in the celestial city. Each week on The Way to Glory, we'll be following the story's protagonist, Christian, in another chapter on that journey. Join us today as we wade through the turbulent waters of death alongside the character Hopeful, a steadfast companion to Christian, with Donald Whitney as our guide. This is The Way to Glory, a Pilgrim's Progress podcast, presented by CT Creative Studio and Revelation Media. Life is an adventure. The journey is more important than the destination. Maybe you've heard these sayings before, but the truth is, they're not the whole story. Hi, I'm your host, Richard Clark. The reality is, life is full of obstacles, setbacks, and pain that just don't feel adventurous. They feel frustrating. They feel bad. And the destination matters quite a bit. Ultimately, where we are going in life is a pretty big deal. The reality is, life isn't just a Thomas Kincaid-esque painting, all light and no darkness. And Pilgrim's Progress reflects that. Over time, I feel like Pilgrim's Progress has become so popular that like a lot of mainstream things, it's lost some of its edge. When you really look at Pilgrim's Progress with fresh eyes, I think it subverts a lot of our expectations about what the Christian life is like. When I think about the way that I was taught about the Christian journey growing up, I think I came with this expectation that the more I trusted God, the more things will work out. Well, Pilgrim's Progress paints a very different picture. It shows us a path that we can go on, and it tells us to stay on that path, but it also makes it clear that that path is full of obstacles. It's full of death and torment and sadness and heartbreak and disappointment. But I wanted to spend this series looking at what Pilgrim's Progress has to say for us now as modern-day people who are experiencing life in reality, not some fantasy that God will hide us from all pain or suffering, but the real-life struggles that we face day in and day out. Pilgrim's Progress is still a well-loved book by a lot of people, and a lot of those people tend to be 
hard-studying pastors and theologians, people who have a mountain of commentaries and textbooks and theology books that they love. A lot of those people love Pilgrim's Progress just as much. But the more I dug into this book, the more I started to appreciate it for the ways that it gave us a deep biblical response and perspective on human struggle and pain. One of those well-studied theologians is Donald Whitney. That's who I talked to today. He's the author of Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life and Professor of Biblical Spirituality at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's going on a quarter of a century. I've required this book and now over you know, a few thousand students. He was my first choice for a guest, really, because I actually took him as a professor in uh, seminary. He taught my spiritual disciplines class, and one of the assignments he gave us was to read through Pilgrim's Progress, and then we talked about it as a class. I remember him having really strong words for anyone who would challenge the greatness of Pilgrim's Progress. In particular, he said that you didn't judge this book. The book judged you. I think part of the reason was because he appreciated how the book put skin on our theology. But even more, after talking with him today, I think it was his time as a pastor that caused him to really appreciate the book. When you're a pastor, you have to be present with people who are going through the final stages of life or grieving those who already have. It's comforting both to the grieving, but it's also comforting for those who are anticipating death. You know, right, to use another phrase from Pilgrim's Progress, right on the borders of heaven. So it's those moments in the presence of the dying that Donald Whitney particularly became aware of how important the destination really was and how crucial it was to have a map that guided us toward what that end would be. I mean, when, when someone is going to move, they start looking at maps right, of the new place. They start looking at pictures and websites and things that relate to the place that's going to be their home in the near future. And uh, with every passing year, uh, that's the way it is for me spiritually. Every day I'm closer to heaven, and I just get more and more interested with the place, as Christian and Hopeful did, the closer they got toward the end of their pilgrimage. So I saw in my dream that they went on together till they came in sight of the gate. Now I further saw that betwixt them and the gate was a river, but there was no bridge to go over, and the river was very deep. The scene is where Christian and Hopeful cross the river, uh, which symbolizes death, and enter the celestial city. At the sight, therefore, of this river, the pilgrims were much stunned. But the men that went with them said, You must go through, or you cannot come at the gate. Whenever I've conducted the funeral of a Christian, I will read this. It helps, I think, people see a little bit of what the person may be experiencing, has just experienced. And also, it's very comforting, uh, you know, to think that your loved one is going through these glorious events. I find it to be very encouraging and comforting to those who are grieving. They look this way and that, and, and you know, some way to get over it. What do we do? And the shining ones say, you, you have to cross. And, you know, Christian especially is terrified by this because it, it appears to be something that's uncrossable without help. You know, you can't cross it and live. And so they enter the river and Christian immediately begins to sink and he panics. Then said the other, be of good cheer, my brother. I feel the bottom and it is good. Then said Christian, ah, my friend, the sorrows of death have compassed me about. 
I shall not see the land that flows with milk and honey. And with that, a great darkness and horror fell upon Christian, so that he could not see before him. He remembers all his sins from both before and after he became a pilgrim. And hobgoblins and demons, it says, uh, you know, are, are tormenting him. Hopeful, therefore, here had much ado to keep his brother's head above water. Yea, sometimes he would be quite gone down, and then, ere a while, he would rise up again half dead. Hopeful did also endeavor to comfort him, saying, Brother, I see the gate, and men standing by to receive us. But Christian would answer, It is you, it is you they wait for, for you have been hopeful ever since I knew you. And so have you, said he to Christian. Ah, brother, said he, Surely, if I was right, he would now arise to help me. But for my sins he hath brought me into the snare, and hath left me. Finally, he comes to the place uh, where he can see the Lord. He can see the King. Hopeful added these words, Be of good cheer, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. And with that, Christian break out with a loud voice, Oh, I see him again. And he tells me, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Isaiah 43, 2. And he remembers the promise. And from that point forward, uh, they have firm footing and the, the river is shallow and they make it to the other side. I think what's you know being conveyed there is that some Christians, true believers, will have difficulty, spiritual difficulties in death, while others will have a glorious transition from this world to the next. But there are many true believers who will struggle with their sins and doubts and and, um, you know, at the, at the very end, their, their death will, will be difficult, spiritually difficult. You know, it, it's just funny how it hits you based on your perspective, right? Because, again, as someone who's 30-something and not really worried about death all the time, I'm reading this and going, like, it actually paints a really scary picture of death. Like, it's hard for me to understand how this could be a comforting passage. I think the the sort of feeling you get as a younger person, especially a Christian, is that death is like not a big deal, right? <laughs> it's like a thing you go through to get to heaven. But I think the closer and more real it becomes, it feels like that person who's experiencing the reality of death must be reading this and going like, oh, people do fear death like I fear death. Like they're having all of the same concerns and struggles with faith and, and doubts and self-doubts. Well, I, I think Bunyan's experience caused him to represent very helpfully two different Christian experiences in death. One in, represented by Hopeful, who uh, God is gracious and merciful, and, and death is relatively easy, at least in terms of spiritual struggles. You know, there are a number of stories like that in Christian history of, of famous Christians who you know, is this death, you know, welcome. But then you have others like Luther who in their death, you know, were in great agony and and, uh, many true Christians are are fearful and they do remember their sins and and they they lose their grasp of assurance at that point. Just like you can experience doubts about assurance in life, so you can experience them in death. Again, it's not our grasp on Christ that, that saves, it's his grasp on us. But they get to the other side, and there is uh, the shining ones are waiting for them on the other side. Angels encompass them all around, uh, protecting them, as it were, going up uh, through the, the upper regions, it's called. 
They therefore went up here with much agility and speed. Though the foundation upon which the city was framed was higher than the clouds, they therefore went up through the region of the air, sweetly talking as they went, being comforted because they safely got over the river, and had such glorious companions to attend them. The very sight was, to them that could behold it, as if heaven itself was come down to meet them. And they get to the door, and they, the gate, and they knock at the gate, and people like Elijah and Moses look over, and the shining ones say, these are men who loved our city and loved our king and want entrance, and so they ask for their certificate. Then the pilgrims gave in unto them each man his certificate, which they had received in the beginning. Those therefore were carried in unto the king, who, when he had read them, said, Where are the men? To whom it was answered, They are standing without the gate. The king then commanded to open the gate, that the righteous nation that keepeth the truth may enter in. Isaiah 26, 2. And lo, as they entered, they were transfigured, and they had raiment put on that shone like gold. The brilliance of the place and uh, is, is gleaming, and the people that they've known, friends and loved ones, come out in mass who welcome them with a thousand welcomes, and it's just all good and glorious. And Pilgrim is looking in after them, and there's that immortal line near the end. He says, and when I had seen, I wished myself among them. What must we do there? Uh, they ask as they're going up the hill. And so, oh, you must, and I love that for you must receive the reward for all your toil, and you must receive the joy that the king gives you, and so forth. And it's the consummation of what you've lived your whole life for, and it's what you imagine it will be like when you die and cross over the other side. And it's just so glorious and so hopeful and so beautiful. I tear up, you know, every time I read it. Hopeful feels like he, he sort of turns into a very important key character. And the way that the characters work in this book is so interesting, too, because he sort of represents, like you said, another path, another type of way to experience the salvation experience and death and all of those things. But he also represents hope itself in some ways. Yes. And hope has a key role in the New Testament. The first one is faithful, who is uh, martyred at uh, Vanity Fair. And then his new companion is hopeful, you know, all the way to death. So, you know, that, that speaks of how important that hope is. Is is not quite there with faith, you know, but it is intimately connected with faith. The Way to Glory is produced in partnership with Revelation Media in anticipation of their upcoming film, The Pilgrim's Progress, coming to theaters Easter weekend. I spoke with producer and writer Steve Cleary about his hopes and visions for the film and why he would take the step of making a movie about one of the most beloved stories in the English language. What do you think the potential is for the impact that this movie will have? Our goal is to be the second most watched film on the mission field. The Pilgrim's Progress is the second most influential book on the mission field by far. Our goal is to get to 20 languages in 12 months, and 100 languages in production in three years. So for the American audience, I want to keep the story alive. It is being lost. 70 to 80 percent of people my age that have grown up in the church know the story, and only 30 percent of millennials know the story. I want to see generational impact, and I love seeing a grandparent, 
and a parent and a grandkid sitting together watching the film. And I've seen that time and time again. To partner in their efforts in translation and distribution, and to download a free animated Pilgrim's Progress ebook, go to revelationmedia.com. This is a pretty subversive image of God's heavenly city. The moment that he sees the celestial city, he's instantly confronting yet another horrific challenge. He's drowning. He sees the city and then he starts drowning. This idea of death where you're like going home is not exactly how Bunyan paints it. You're not going to a beautiful light. It's not a pleasant experience dying. And so he acknowledges that. The crazy thing is there's this moment of struggle. He comes out, you get the big, beautiful, resonant ending, and immediately he snaps us out of that. There's a record scratch moment where he looks back and he sees ignorance and his companion, vain hope or false hope. So they actually make it across the river. They get through the river and ignorance is like totally convinced he's getting into heaven. He's totally convinced. Hey, I'm here. And they're like, where's your certificate? And he doesn't have one. Now, while I was gazing upon all these things, I turned my head to look back and saw ignorance come up to the riverside. But he soon got over, and that without half the difficulty which the other two men met with. For it happened that there was then, in that place, one vain hope, a ferryman that with his boat helped him over. Ignorance said, I have ate and drank in the presence of the king and he is taught in our streets. Then they asked him for a certificate, that they might go in and show it to the king. So he fumbled in his bosom for one, and found none. Then said they, have you none? But the man answered, never a word. It's an interesting contrast, and it's kind of of, uh, shocking almost, after that glorious conclusion of you, you kind of look into the open doors of heaven with Bunyan, And then you turn around and look behind you down the hill and see ignorance. But there's no one waiting for him on the other side. And so the angels take him and and there's an entrance uh, to hell at the the bottom of the hill. And uh, Bunyan finishes by saying, so I learned that there's an entrance to hell, even at the entrance to heaven. And uh, then he says, I awoke and, and it was a dream. And that's how the book ends. A moment of horrific drowning. That's scary enough, but then when you think you've got your, like, picturesque happy ending, it subverts even that. Yeah, Bunyan doesn't want people to be too comfortable, it doesn't seem like. Not in a false hope. Yeah. There are those with false assurance, those who assume they're going to this wonderful place. And so he wants to show at the very end, you know, the difference between true faith and false to warn people just because you want to go to the celestial city, just because you find this description beautiful, that alone is not evidence, sufficient evidence that you're going there. So I think just a final warning, don't take for granted that you will go to the celestial city. Just like today, most people, if they if they believe in an afterlife, increasingly with the growth of, you know, atheism and so forth, there's a diminishing number. But by and large, the vast majority of people do believe in some sort of afterlife. And most people, the great majority of people, believe they're going to heaven. But Bunyan's warning is that, no, you know, there is vain hope that takes people to that point. And ignorance of the gospel is doomed. You know, where is your assurance? Where is your certificate, so to speak? Where is your evidence that you are entitled to enter heaven? 
boy, that's that's really needed today. So as you're reading this map, what are the big takeaways for you? Like as you do get closer to that time, I mean, I, I frequently pray. In fact, when I'm drifting off to sleep, I often pray God would give me grace and mercy in the hour of my death, in part so that I would not dishonor him by, by doubts or, or fears. And I, I think of Christian every time uh, I do that. But also the reminder to, to look to the king. You know, to, it, it's about him. It's about faith in him and what he has done. The older I get, the more sins I accumulate, the more I can remember any accumulation of righteousness I may presume to have over the years seems to be overshadowed by the accumulation of sins and the memory of them. And so I, it, it just takes me back to hope in the King and faith in, in Jesus on the cross and not in all the years I've been in ministry and taught in seminaries. Bunyan paints an incredibly subversive picture of the celestial cities. If you were to look at the map, Pilgrim's Progress lays out from like an overhead view, the end of the journey might look something like this. You'd see a path that leads to a seeming dead end at the chasm of a river. And then a huge mountain you're going to have to climb. And finally a gate, like a big intimidating gate where when you zoom all the way in, like, you know, Google satellite images or something, you zoom all the way in and you're going to see some people being turned away. And it's in that moment that you're going to take a step back and ask yourself a question that ignorance didn't ask. Am I going to be turned away too? There's a river we will know. We have troubled waters, existential doubts, and even an eternal rejection that darken the scenery. It's something that we all have to walk through sometime or another before we can cross over into the celestial city, no matter who we are. And when we drink yeah, we will find Even though I could die at any moment, it's not something I'm planning for or talking to my family about. But what I'm learning from this is that I need to invest now, not just in a pension or life insurance or putting together a will, but in Hopeful himself. I need to befriend him early because he's the one that's going to help me through the raging river of death. Or maybe I could just strive to be hopeful myself, to secure my footing in faith with my eyes firmly on Christ. Eventually, no matter how strong we are in life, we will falter. In death, we all experience hardship. It's the moment we're confronted not only with our own mortality, but our own failures and sinful state. Even at the finish line with the gates of eternity in sight, Christian needed to lift his weary eyes and see again his Savior's faithfulness and love. That love and assurance is what steadied him when he felt sure to fail under his own strength. And it's just that, a clear view of our Savior's deep love for us, that'll steady us now and at the end of our journey. Join me for another chapter of The Way to Glory next week. Subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are found. If you like the show, leave us a review. Information on how you can watch and support Revelation Media's upcoming movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, can be found at revelationmedia.com. This episode was written and produced by myself, Richard Clark, and Cray Allred. Narration by Marissa Torado. Theme music is Shadows of the Dawn by The Grey Havens from their album Ghost of a King. Additional music by The Grey Havens and Sweeps.